On today's show, we have two special guests, Kathy Casey from Kathy Casey Food Studio and Liquid Kitchen and Joel Gameron from Sur La Table. We also have restaurant openings from sake bars and tap rooms to Eastern European cuisine and Tex-Mex. As always, we'll keep you current on events around the Northwest. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Berrien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Hi, this is Ethan Stoll. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the February Seattle Dining Show, number 1902. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, Publisher and Owner of Seattle Dining. Yeehaw! Ooh, are we going Western today? Yeah, we are. <laughs> I've been over in Redmond at the old Western store, the oh. old Westernware store. So uh, I'm, I'm really into it now. It's The chaps look good. They look good <laughs> on you. <laughs> Speaking of chaps... Our monthly discussion is about trends. Chaps can be trendy, but not in the food industry. So we'll go food today. Chaps. Um, chaps. And I there thought are chaps friends. were friends. Oh, yeah. Chaps. Well, if you're in Britain. Oh. Yeah. You know. I better learn my Britain. Yeah. <laughs> you better learn your better Britain. better learn my Britney Spears. <laughs> I'm sure she talk about chaps all the time. Mm. <laughs> So we were going to talk about trends today, and one of the things that I was thinking in my own mind that a trend I'm seeing is that food spots share space with other things, like um, Windy City Pie was in Batch 206 Distillery. They've moved out, and Oki's Tex-Mex has moved in. Homegrown is putting a sandwich shop in a bike shop, and I don't know if it's still there or not, but Carillon Point had put a little cafe kind of thing in Fly Fitness over at Carillon Point. And the Wick Coffee Company is opening up in the Triumph of Seattle oh, Motorcycle right. Store. So I was just thinking about stuff like that. And then I went out and was looking at trends online, and one of the things they said was, food spots are sharing space with other places. So I thought, interesting. And they brought up the Capital One cafes. Apparently, Crate and Barrel is trying a restaurant model. Restoration Hardware added baristas and cafes to some locations. Uh-oh, they're going to make all the furniture smell like coffee now. Uh-oh, that could be bad. And then some AT&T stores are offering food. And then, of course, IKEA has had that restaurant forever. So interesting that that's going on. And I'm thinking one of the reasons why is one of the statistics is that the average American eats out between four and five times a week. Now, later I was looking up something, and they said that um, people dining out has been dropping. So I don't know who you want to believe, you know. Um, Everybody has different stories. Yeah. Yeah. But so. the number that you're going to talk about on that was only a 5% drop in eating out. Oh, okay. It went from 80 to 75. Oh, okay. So, so. interesting, though. <clears throat> um, another trend 
us about ethnic flavors and Israeli food. And I have been hearing this for easily a year, that there's places, not in Seattle particularly, that I'm aware of, but Israeli food is kind of becoming popular. I've seen it in magazines. But there's an Eastern European restaurant opening in Seattle. And I know I'm just going to show my ignorance here, but when I think Eastern European, I think of concrete bunker buildings, and I don't think of good food. Um, It isn't true. So it'll be interesting to see what that's all about. Well, that would be like Romanian cooking and stuff like that, right? I do not know, honestly. Huh. So it'll be it'll be a little interesting thing to find. Well, you'll know it's Romanian if the sign on the door says Gypsies Welcome. <laughs> oh, don't start with the Gypsies again. You're already in trouble with that. <laughs> no tramps, no thieves, but we will let the Gypsies in. Tom has been making jokes about Cher's song, and people have been offended. That wasn't so. a joke. It was... Well, yeah, but I mean... Usage of the word, and someone didn't realize that the word gypsy has uh, four definitions and five synonyms, and only one of them relates to Romanians. Oh, interesting. Huh. Another trend, and I don't, we don't do this much, so it's interesting to me, but they're saying that a lot of casual chains will do more carryout and delivering orders. They're trying to keep up their sales, and you can do you know more for less overhead if you carry out. So um, takeout and delivery was 8% in 2016, and it's 10% in 2018. Okay. Well, we know it's up. And, you know, uh, I would started thinking about that. I thought, that's, well, that seems like kind of a low number. And the reason I felt that way is because I know some restaurants where their takeout business is 50% of their business. Yeah, exactly. But that certainly doesn't isn't true across the board, so when you actually bring it down to what it really is, when you add up all the restaurants and add up all the takeout, mm-hmm. 10% sounds about right. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking, too, they said specifically casual chains. So you think about um, Applebee's or Olive Garden, and they all have spots, parking spots, two or three in front where you can pull up and they'll bring your order out to your car. They just don't have stores in Seattle anymore. Yeah. But uh, the one that does that has a lot of carry out is the California Pizza, oh, pizza kitchen. kitchen. Yeah, yeah. But I don't see a lot of carry out going on across the walkway over at Azteca. Interesting. Yeah, because everybody wants those margaritas. Yeah. But even the little uh, superfoods cafe that went in on Queen Anne Heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, they have eight seats. So yeah, it that's always all takeout. It, it looks really busy all the time, but of course it would. They'd only have to have six people in there to make it look really busy. Mm-hmm. But before they moved in their other location where they had a lot more seating, it was still like 80% takeout. Wow. So it was a really high number. So there's certain types of foods, you know, or places, depending on their location and a neighborhood or something, that people just want to grab something well, and take it home. And, you know, if I'm going to order up some raw vegetables, I don't want anybody watching me eat those. I, I want to do that at home, and yeah. nobody can see me doing that. Yeah. And dragging out your toothpick afterward. and <laughs> <laughs> Figuring out what to do with my food scraps. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another thing that they talked about, and this is right up your alley, is tech-enabled experiences. So 95% of restaurateurs think tech improves their business. 65% of consumers will use an ordering kiosk if available. And I'm just saying places like McDonald's now put all those kiosks in, and they, they have people waiting to help you do it. So they want you to go there because it's 
you know, it's less overhead again. You you were with me on my first McDonald's kiosk experience, uh, and you had to keep me under control. You you walked out, and I was like, <clears throat> I'm eating. Yeah. So, but since then, I have mastered the kiosk at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this: it is still takes longer to order oh, your yeah. food than if you walk to a cashier. Yep. Even if they don't have the time, they don't get your order right. So <laughs> you spend some time fixing it, but. Um, it just takes longer to push all those buttons. Yeah. And if you're doing uh, – I think where we were getting confused, and I haven't done it other than for myself, but we were messing up when we were doing it for two people. Because then it was like, I think I'm ordering what I want, and then it turns out I ordered a meal and I didn't want the fries or I – you know. Well, I tell you, I'll tell you the answer to that. You, you go get your own kiosk and we'll have oh, yeah, there you go. and see who can order their food faster. Oh, you just don't want to pay for mine. <laughs> I'm on to you. <laughs> so you just take your little credit card over there, and I'll take mine over here. Oh, that's what I was always screwing up at McDonald's. I continually, I haven't figured out yet, continually screw up, and I hit the wrong button. It says, here's your receipt, take it to the counter. And then I have to go pay there. And I know that's not right. I know I can pay at the kiosk. Yeah. But I have not done it right yet. Yeah, you push the button that says you're going to put your credit card in, and then the next thing they do is they come back and they ask you, what is that tent number next to you oh, that yeah. you're going to take with you? And you put that in, and then it, and then the next thing that happens is it lights up the credit card machine. Yeah, I'm doing something wrong right there. Despite that, three, quarter, three quarters of diners think technology improves their experience. Now, this next one is that I, that I think is going to be – commented on you is 61% like using handheld tablets to pay their bill. And I know when this first started, you were furious about dirty little things that they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, they can do that. I would prefer it if my server would wipe that thing down in front of me and then hand it to me. Because we've asked about it numerous times and people say, oh, we wipe them down all the time. But you know what? We don't know that. Look at the glass before you touch it, because yeah. I've seen some really nasty ones. Yeah. You know, this has nothing to do with tech, but I was at a place the other day, and I was going to use the ketchup or the salt and pepper or something. Oh. And when I picked it up, I stuck to it. Yeah, gooey. And it's like, this is the same kind of thing. You know, if you have to clean everything at every turn of the table. Yeah. Because otherwise you've got that. I agree. So, the and one you know, the thing about ketchup is nine times out of ten, they're they're taking a half empty bottle and taking another half empty bottle, and then they're dumping that one into the other one, and things are getting messy, messy. and then customers are making a mess, and yeah. and and people are coming in, and you know, even though they cough into their sleeve or whatever, they they got the germs all over, yeah. and and all that stuff. You know, if you're a germaphobe, don't, don't go eat out, yeah. please. You know, I always wonder about that, too. I mean, obviously, tables get wiped down and stuff, but what about chairs? And if you've got chairs with arms on them, you know, there's got to be. should have that spray bottle with that teaspoon of bleach to 32 ounces. Um, The one thing I do like about handheld tablets for paying bills is, like, we were someplace the other night, and all of a sudden it got really busy. It was, uh, like, 9 or 10 and it got really – we were the only ones in there, and then it got really busy. And there was, like, one person working behind the bar and waiting tables because I think they didn't expect anybody to come in. Mm-hmm. So she honestly did a very good job and was pretty much on top of it. But, you know, 
it was great when we had the bill and she could she was right there with the thing and she didn't have to leave and take your credit card and then maybe come back and you know have to serve two people in between so the immediacy of it is kind of nice so having just broken a uh, screen on my tablet. Oh yeah. Uh, if I'm in a restaurant and you hand me the tablet and I drop it, who who buys the new yeah. tablet screen? That's a three hundred dollar job. Yeah. I I I'm not paid for it. I tell you that. Yeah. Well, you could always say that they handed handed off just like football. The guy handed it off wrong. It wasn't my fault. I dropped it. Yeah. No, I had so much ketchup left over <laughs> on my fingers, the thing slipped right out. It was those greasy fries. I'm sorry. I tried to hang on to it, okay? Forget it. Um, Another tech thing that I thought was interesting, because we all have all these issues now, gluten, soy, whatever, Whole Foods has started an online search tool, and you can filter for diet choice. Oh. So um, the last thing I wanted to talk about trend-wise, because I thought this was interesting, because you've mentioned it even at McDonald's, Full-service restaurants and limited-service restaurants have gone up like 0.5 and 0.4% in terms of price. Mm-hmm. Um, but buying food at grocery stores was 03 Even fast-food hamburger prices have gone up 54% over the last decade, and chicken sandwiches up 27%. Now, why did chicken only go up 27 and the burger went up 54 I do not know. I think it's because the fast food industry was using burgers as a loss leader for years, and now they're finally realizing that they need to make money on them because they're not selling all the other stuff. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. But that's, I mean, those are huge percentages because we've talked about getting a a Big Mac meal or something at McDonald's, and it's gone up three bucks. If you buy the Happy Meal, the adult Happy Meal, the burger, the fries, and the uh, drink in Seattle together with the $17 an hour pay wage and the Mm -hmm. soda tax, you're looking at about – what do we got? We got receipts in the back office here. I think they're $11 and change. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of money, man. Yeah. And you're talking fast food, casual, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're not getting much nutrition for that. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, so that's kind of my trend talk. Anything that you're thinking about on that? Well, no, I put in all my two cents. Yeah, right. I know uh, we're getting tight on time here. Um I'll do one restaurant where I ate and you can do one restaurant where you ate. Um, okay. Want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, I went to uh, Third Street Cafe in Mount Vernon, Washington. Uh, really good food. And uh, it, that is put together by the people at the uh, Skagit Valley Food Co-op. And the food that's coming in is, you know, 90% local. Uh, they're making it with pretty – they're making it pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of, you know, organics and grass feds and free range and all that good stuff. So, uh, I highly recommend if you're going to be up north that you, uh, check it out. Yeah. I'm actually going to do two just to fly in your face, but, um, we went to Sawyer in Ballard. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked it more than you did. I think my choice, we both liked more than yours. Um, and there were several things on the menu. I had a little trouble deciding what to eat. So there are several things I would like to go back and do. The one thing I we I agreed with you on, we sat at the bar, and those are brilliantly 
bright lights yeah. above the bar. Way too bright in that restaurant. And honestly, there's a, a wall, the back wall has some tables along it with little lamps on them. Looked very cozy and intimate. That's where you want to be because even further, a row further out is, again, under bright lights hanging from the ceiling. And, you know, uh, I'm going to give a little tip out here. Um, uh, you know, we're all converting our homes over to LED lighting, and that stuff is super bright. It's all blue light. It just rips into your into your eyes mm-hmm. and, and destroys them, giving you macular degeneration and the whole nine yards. Uh, I bought a can of orange Krylon spray at the arts store, like Joanne Fabrics, mm-hmm. and um, I sprayed all my LED lights in the house, and it really warms them up nice. Mm-hmm. Just you just got to spray the lens; don't spray the rest of the bulb. Yeah, but uh, you spray that orange on there, and you, and you, you you do two things: you warm up the light, and you cut down the blue light. Excellent. All right. One last thing I want to talk about Costco Antiguo down in Pioneer Square. Okay. Because that was I really enjoyed that. I'm I'm sometimes off and on on Mexican food because it's mostly Americanized and and this had very recognizable things, but some new stuff that I hadn't seen. I thought it was really good. I had pork carnitas tacos. Um kind of a fun place to be. Not big and there's a little tiny bar in the back and that seemed to be where things were happening, but I didn't we were just having dinner and I didn't go back and look, but um, so kind of for anybody place. listening, this is called Casco Antigo, and it's spelled C-A-S-C-O. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, this isn't a restaurant in Costco. No. Okay. No. Despite the trends of yeah, putting things in. <laughs> All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our News Bites file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants, fresh ingredients, lets the food do the talking, from house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, I'm Carly from Tacoma. When you're visiting Tacoma, I recommend going to Fujia for sushi. Hi, this is Chef Bill Raniger from Duke's Chatterhouse, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here together with Connie Adams, our senior editor. Hello. And we have arrived at the News Bite section where we're going to tell you all the little latest tidbits about what's going on around town. Um, these tidbits come in at all hours of the day and night. So we keep a rolling list of them all online at seattledining.com just simply click on news bites or if you're a twitter user go ahead and subscribe to our twitter feed seattle dining mag and you will see the feed live as it occurs as you do your social media oh yeah (laughs) so what do we got you're gonna start off with oh i'm gonna start off oh Oh, no 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 sorry it's me I don't know my odd and even numbers yet. I'm still learning. <laughs> the Hilltop Ale House, which is on top of Queen Anne, has a new owner, Kale Lewis. He and his wife live on Queen Anne, and they were going there once a week. He worked at the Bookbindery, and that's where they met. She is also a chef. 
So it'll be interesting to see. They aren't going to make any immediate changes, but, you know, they're foodies, so it may... Okay, now my recollection of the Hilltop Ale House, it was a group that owned three restaurants in yes. Seattle. It was the 74th Street Ale House in Greenwood, and it was the Columbia City Ale House in Columbia City. It is true. So is everybody broke up now? And I, I don't know if the other two have been sold. He, I believe the guy who owned it, Jeff Egan maybe his name is, is retiring. Okay. So he probably is selling the others as well. It When I read this about the Queen Anne one, um, it didn't say Kale was also buying others. So he seems to just be buying the one. Lots of uh, restaurateurs retiring in the news today. We'll have yeah, more on that in a moment. Exactly. Uh, let's see. The Virginia Inn has new owners. Uh, Carl Sexton of the Capitol Grill and Craig Perez from El Gaucho. And they want to leave it old school. Oh, so another not, don't look for big changes. Il Nido by Mike and Victoria Easton, and you know them from Il Corvo. They are going to open a seasonal Italian restaurant in the old Alki Homestead. That should be coming in April. Now, will it only be open seasonally, or no. they're going to use seasonal ingredients? Seasonal ingredients, and what they're kind of doing is summertime, it'll be lighter, Sicilian fare. And is it, Sicily's in the south, isn't it, right? Yeah. And then a lot of seafood. And then in the winter, they're going to do more northern Italian things. Oh, so that kind of seasonal, yeah. But no fried chicken, huh? It looks like those um, Sunday dinners are gone. Doggone it. I know. Doggone it. All gone. All right. The uh, Skull Beer Hall is not yet open in Ballard, but they're getting closer. If you want to watch the progress, you go to SkullBallard.com. And that's S-K-A-L is Skull. Oh, yeah. I should probably tell you how to spell that. Yeah. Scott Carsberg's Bisato is opening this month. They have been taking phone – this is how popular. They've been taking phone reservations since earlier in January. That's how people want to go there so bad. Sounds like Crush. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. what happened with Crush many well, years ago. He's you know known as a real, really wonderful chef, and so people have ah. been missing him, and now he's going to be open again. So. Do we know if he's going to be open for Valentine's Day? Yeah. It's, I, well, it's supposed – yeah. I believe so, because he's been doing a couple open pop-up kind of dinners, and then I think it's going to open for sure in early February, so okay. they should be. <clears throat> uh, Scott nope. Carsberg. Nope, that's who I just talked about. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You don't know Beep. your odd and even numbers either. Hollywood Tavern is offering a free dessert to anyone who has a minimum $20 order of food and beverage. This is going to be Mondays only through March. Lunch, happy hour, and dinner. One dessert per table. And you can pick off the dessert list, so it's not just like whatever they decide to give you. Do you, do you want to sit at that table over there, and I'll sit at this table over here, we'll get, and then we'll yeah. each get desserts? Yeah, let's okay. do that. I bet they've never had anyone do that. I don't think they ever figure this out. I know. Um, Saltoro in Broadview has new owners. They, um, I'm going to leave this to you, actually. You know more about this than me. Because you know the employees. Well, you know, I, I live in this neighborhood, but I never get too chummy with all my friends at the restaurants around here. Uh, so I don't actually know the employee's name. I believe it was the general manager's name is Michelle and Cesar in the kitchen, mm. who's the chef. The two of them have taken over Saltoro. Uh, that was previously owned by Greg Beek, uh, Seattle's most 
translucent restaurant tour ever. Translucent? Yeah, nobody really... He was always behind the scenes, and no one even ever talked about him. Like Casper the ghost? Yeah, he was like a little ghost, and he'd just fly into his restaurant when everybody was gone and take care of business and fly out, and then he'd always had his staff running it. Uh, He also owns Bix, and uh, he has closed the doors at Bix. They're looking for a new owner. And then uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, Greg, as we know, also owned the West City Sardine Kitchen in West Seattle. And doing our little sleuthing today, we found out that one is still open. But we don't know if it sold to somebody else or if he's still got it. It's assumed that he will sell it um, because he's trying to retire. Yeah. See, that, that's a little echo from yeah. earlier in the More retirement. segment here. Yeah. All right. But, you know, if he sold it two years ago, I wouldn't have known it because, like I say, you never know what's going on with yeah. that guy. You How did you it? find out? Uh, my neighbor. Oh, okay. Yeah. He told me. Okay. Okay. On to number eight. That would be you. That would be you. No, I'm doing odd. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay. We're having trouble with numbers today. <laughs> Homegrown co-founder Ben Friedman has left the company to take a year to travel the world. Yeah. Wow, right in uh, over there? Yeah, okay. So they got got about six or eight locations. They have one over in uh, Redmond now. They've got a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. And and I talked to the person at Homegrown, and they said, everything's great. There's no no problems. He just wanted to take some time off. And when I talked to him, he was in Morocco. So, yeah. Um, Oki's Tex-Mex opened in January inside the Batch 206 distillery. They replaced Windy City Pie, um, and and that, uh, I'll just go on with the next one, it is, is now has its own spot on Finney, up on Finney Ridge. They're uh, currently doing pickups from the new location until their dine-in area is open. So we already have a pie place up on Finney. Uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, the Ridge? No, 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 no. This is uh, down from there, near the zoo, 65th maybe, around that area. Alamode. No, 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 no. Windy City Pie is pizza. Oh, it's pizza. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. we already have six places. Yeah. Have. Well, welcome to Pizza World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is supposed to be, I believe, Chicago style, I think. I, that's probably why they call it Windy City. Yeah, that would make sense. All right. Um, All right. The last thing I have is the Thompson Hotel is reconcepting their restaurant Scout, and they're going to make it more uh, typical of the Thompson Hotel brand. And and my take on that is that they hired Huxley Wallace to come in in the beginning to mm-hmm. consult and open. And you know, Scout is very uh, plaid Northwest, um, and I think that doesn't. It jived with Northwest, but it didn't jive with Thompson. So. Freaking out the customers, huh? I don't know. But <laughs> but I think they just maybe want to stick to their brand, which, hey, is not a bad idea. So um, that's – I don't think they're open yet, and they're le- leaking things slowly. So hmm. just keep an eye on that. Interesting. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we got the calendar. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by – 
Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, my name is Jessica, and I'm just now moving here to Washington in Tumwater, and I'm looking forward to finding the best restaurants that Seattle has to offer. Hi, this is Chris. I'm from Panther Creek Cellars. We're located in Dundee, Oregon, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We're back with the Seattle Dining Show with Tom and Connie, and we are moving into the calendar section. Remember that calendar items go up all the time, so check back at seattledining.com backslash calendar to see what else is going on. As soon as we hear something, we try and pop it up there so you'll know. All right, well, the first one we got is uh, a long list of events that are being put on by Beecher's Cheese, and uh, these are all happening between 5 and 7 p.m., First one's going to be on February 6th, Wednesday in Tacoma. Second one's going to be Friday the 8th in Issaquah. And the third one is going to be Saturday the 9th in Seattle. And this is uh, local chefs cooking with Beecher's Handmade Cheese and duking it out for the number (laughs) one meal. And you get to vote. You get to vote. If you're going to Tacoma or Issaquah, it is $45. Uh, Seattle is $45 unless you want to do the VIP, which is 75 And that will also include not only some food but the beer and the wine. Right. On Friday, February 8th, Kirkland is doing their Valentine's Pre-Funk Wine Walk from 6 to 9 p.m. You can take taste wines in downtown Kirkland businesses – Meet winemakers from 15 wineries and a brewery. Advanced tickets are 25 and 30 at the door. What is a pre-funk? Does that mean I'm going to be funky after? No, it's a pre-function. Oh, pre-function. So it's pre-Valentine's. It's a function before Valentine's. Huh. Is there a function at the Valentine's Junction? (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Let's see. We got a beverage and chocolate stuff going on. Because it's Valentine's uh, It's month. Valentine's Day or, or time period. And so we've got red wine and chocolate weekends going on at Lake Chelan. And that's uh, both weekends. Uh, book ca- uh, what do you call it? Book, uh, Bookend. Bookending book Valentine's Day. Uh, we got a Speak to Me in Chocolate at Chateau Saint-Michel. Learn how to pair the two. I just get a Hershey's and a bottle of red. I'm good. (laughs) You're so high-end. There's a red wine, cider, and chocolate tour on the Olympic Peninsula. Now, that sounds fun. Yeah, that would be fun. That's going on both weekends at bookend, the (laughs) Valentine's Day. Um, There's a Pike Choco Fest. We talked about that one on the Mm -hmm. show last month. got beer, chocolate, savory bites all happening at Pike Brewing. 
And, uh, you know, make make a mental note of this price. It's $64.71, <laughs> and it includes the service fee. I think that's interesting. Now, people are telling you, you know, if you say it's a $60 thing, and then you go to buy it, and it's $64.71, you're like, what the hell? Why just so, make it 65 and say that includes tax and service yeah. fees? You don't have to. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Pack a roll All of right. pennies when you go. <laughs> Monday, February 11th, Rovers is doing a pop-up dinner because, of course, Rovers is gone. It's at 6.30 at Luke. They're going to transform Luke into a fine dining restaurant. It's going to be an eight-course tasting menu with exquisite wines. It's 350 per person. Now let me repeat that. 350 per person. That'll make you feel yeah. like you're back at Rovers. Yeah. And, of course, it's a hell of a deal because you get, it, you get the food, the wine, tax, and gratuity in there. So it's a and flat you get to, 350 And you get to meet the chef in the hat. Yeah, who, you know, that's probably worth the 350 right there. I love him. <laughs> um, they are probably because of this price and the limited seating. They You have to reserve by email, give them your name, number of guests, and phone number. Then they will call you to get your credit card in advance, and that's how you know your, your reservation is confirmed. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, lots of stuff going on Valentine's Day. Uh, I'm going to call out a couple of the highlights, but we have quite a bit of information on the calendar page at seattledining.com. Simply click on calendar. Uh, some of the highlights are that uh, Lule is going to have four courses for 99 bucks a person, not 350 even though it's the same owner. <laughs> uh, a wine pairing is an additional $89 per person. So now we're getting up there. Uh, check your piggy bank and make your reservations. <laughs> uh, Waterways Cruises is doing a four-course dinner cruise, and you can call them using the telephone number on our website to get the price and the actual time information, but that'd be kind of a fun thing. Oh, yeah, it is fun. Casper's. You know, not open very often, but special holidays, and this is one of them. They're doing a wine dinner on the 14th. It's going to be six-course dinner with six wines. And what a smoking price, $79 per person. We don't know if that includes it the tax It includes the grab. wine. Probably not tax and grab, but right. it includes the wine. And that'll be at 6.30 p.m. up on the tip-top of Magnolia. Yes. Uh, Ethan Stoll's restaurants, all of them, of which uh, it was about 15 now, yeah. uh, they are all doing something r- except for the Ballard Pizza store. They're mm-hmm. not going to do anything. I don't I don't know. I guess you don't associate pizza with Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, all Water Seafood and Oyster Bar. Which is at the Hotel 1000. At the Hotel 1000 all weekend long, the 14th through the 17th, 5 to 10 p.m., they will be doing a special a la carte menu. And the last one I'm going to call out here is Lark. On the 14th, they'll be doing a four-course menu with wine pairings available. Price is going to be $130 per person, and if you want to bump in the wine, you're going to pay another 60 bucks. Exactly. So that's the highlights, but like I said, there's a whole lot more yeah. online at seattledining.com. And Check something just popped up today for Heartwood Provisions, so they're coming in solidly. On Thursday, February 21, there's a Cellar Val Lac and Bodegas Via Boa wine dinner at Harvest Vine at 6.15 p.m. 
Man, I'm glad you got that one and I didn't have to say it. I know it. And you know what? I honestly don't know if this is Spanish or Portuguese, because I don't know Portuguese, so it could be Filiboa. But Might be Romanian. I'm, it could be a gypsy thing. We don't know for sure. <laughs> but we do know. It's 125 per person, and that includes food, wine, tax, and gratuity, and it's four courses. On Friday, February 22nd, Long Shadows Vintners Wine Tasting Dinner at Andaluca, 6 mm. p.m., Going to be $135 per person, plus tax and gratuity. Five courses, each paired with a different Long Shadows wine. I love their wines. Let's see. Friday, that same day, February 22nd, there's a wine pairing dinner cruise with Guardian Cellars on Waterways. Um, Wines paired with three-course meal. An expert from Guardian walks you through a pairing presentation. Tuesday, February 26th, Washington Wines with winemaker John Bell from 6 to 9 p.m. This is going to be at South Seattle College. It is Dieter Schaefer, who is the head of the program there. I don't I don't know. He was at um, the, the Art Institute, and this is South oh, Seattle, okay. so I don't know what his connection is. So Dieter and John Bell are going to talk about Washington AVAs. You can get tips on wine buying, cellaring, serving, and enjoying. This is going to happen three Tuesdays between the 26th of February and the 12th of March. Uh, so I guess uh, the price is going to be $120. Uh, that should include food. And, of course, it's going to include wine, and you're going to get to listen to these guys teach you a few things about the fantastic world we live in for wine. <laughs> it's true. Well, that's it. Yeah. Take us out. Oh, okay. We're going to move on to our interview segment, and our first special guest is Kathy Casey from Kathy Casey Food Studio and Liquid Kitchen. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, I'm Scott McLean from Walla Walla, Washington. One of my favorite places to eat in Seattle is the Wild Ginger Restaurant. Hi, this is Ron Williams from Visit Walla Walla, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, and we have a very special guest in the studio right now. Connie, who do we have here? We have Kathy Casey. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. And for those of you who don't know, which is two of you, um, Kathy has been <laughs> around a long time in Seattle. She was one of the, well, you were the first female chef in Seattle. I was, I was one Mason, of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was when you were 25. You became an executive chef at 25. Yeah, I was executive chef, 25. That's amazing. At Fuller's, which was at the Sheraton. Some of you may not remember the Fuller's either, but that was a big That place. was when uh, 
you know, hotel dining was really beautiful and fabulous yes. and hotels were glorious. And, you know, I think Elegant. that's all coming back again. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I kind of miss that. And then you went to New York, which was kind of a scary episode in your life, I think, at Maxwell Plums. And then when you left there, that's kind of when your consulting business started. Yeah. And that's what has led to Kathy Casey Food Studios, The Liquid Kitchen, um, Dish Delish, Relish Burger Lounge. You've got so much going on now. And how many books have you written? Ten. Ten. Yeah. That's just amazing. Wow. Also, I was looking back on a story I did from for you from 2007. Right. That's how I long that. ago that was. <laughs> and you said you were going to publish a book when you were 60 about women early years of women in the kitchen. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still it. working I'm on 60. the outline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not 60 yet. <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> I just thought, I was just wondering if it was still going to come. Oh, absolutely. It'll oh, okay. probably have to be a little later, later than, than that. that because of social media and everything. You really can't let it fly and let it loose yeah, exactly. <laughs> until you're not working anymore. <laughs> So that might be 75. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that when I made that note. It was like, you know, when you said that, which was now, 11 years ago, 60 probably sounded really old to both of us. Yeah. And now it's like, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) To me anyway. Still sounds old to me. Oh, shush. He's 59. (laughs) So... What we really have you here to talk about today is that you've got a ton of stuff going on, and I wanted to talk about um, Lucky Louie Fish Shack, for one. Let's start there. Okay. So I started a new company um, with uh, my new business partner, Stacy House. So we, um, so I met her at SeaTac Airport, and she used okay. to be the director of operations for HMS Host that runs, oh. you know, a lot of companies like yeah. Starbucks. They actually operate Dish Delish at the airport as well mm-hmm. as Relish Burger Lounge. She wanted to have her own woman-owned airport operations company, and I'm like, I'm, I'm in. there. I'm Let's there. do it. Let's do it. You know, I really want to support women in business and their dreams, mm-hmm. and I never really had anybody um, – that would help me in financing or anything over the years that yeah. way back when it's like, you know, forget it. Um, yeah. so we formed a new company. It's called 1915 Casey house. We're both married on the 15th. Oh. Both our birthdays are on the 19th. And really? so as a combination of our names, her last name is house and my initials are Casey. So, okay. and that's kind of my last name too. Is yeah. Casey. So that's funny. <clears throat> and so, I wanted to do this great company with this wonderful woman, and we bid on SeaTac. You know, all the mm-hmm. leases out there come up, so yeah. we we bid on an RFP, and we won. We won the Ivor space, yeah. and we have Lucky Louis Fish Shack going in. Oh, that's exciting! And that's a whole new concept for you. You haven't done it is. Fish. Yeah, I've been developing that concept now for quite a few months. Wow. A year. A year. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and you just took your first delivery of fish, right? Yes, we just got our like first 20, fish. 20,000 pounds? It was 37,000 pounds. Oh, my land. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, wait, no. this is, we're talking seafood, so it's oh, my lord. It's oh, my, oh, my sea, <laughs> oh, my ocean. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Now, how did you, did you do a ton of research, and did you know what was going through Ivers? How did you come to that number, like, this is what we're going to need to operate? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, been in the industry for so long, yeah. I can kind of kind of come up with some parts. Yeah, and, and you've all had that. Dish Delish out there for yes. so long, and Relish right. has been there. So yeah, and true. this is, this will be a very very high 
um, very high volume location. Wow. And it's uh, chef driven, quick serve. So okay. we're going to have great fish and chips and salmon, uh, salmon bowls, and just, you know, all kinds of deliciousness um, yeah. that's seafood. And we're going to have, of course, shrimp louis with real homemade louis dressing <gasps> that no one makes anymore. What? No Nobody one does. makes louis dressing or Why Thousand Island anymore because everybody buys everything. Yeah. Are you going to have uh, poke? Not going to have poke. We'll probably do that as um, as like a special down mm-hmm. the road. Okay. But mm-hmm. there will be a another company in the in the central terminal where we'll be located at SeaTac that does like sushi, so they'll have poke too. Oh, okay. well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it at some point. Are you in other airports as well with Dish Delish? Not yet, but okay. that our goal is to go into other airports. Yeah, and the. Kind of the story behind Lucky Louie is really, really fun. So oh. I love fishing. I never have time to go fishing, but oh. I love fishing and I love mushroom hunting. Oh, yeah. And so my dad years ago gave me an antique Lucky Louie fishing lure. And so oh. if you Google it, it's really, it's a cool, it's, they're made out of wood, they're white, and then they have like, like a little red tip on them. Uh-huh. They're super great. And so that was kind of an inspiration for the name. Uh-huh. And then Pendleton plaid jackets. I used to collect them oh, really? at um, thrift stores. And I'd really find these great, like, 1940s, 1950s Pendleton plaid jackets. And I'd wear them fishing and mushroom hunting. Yeah. And they always made me lucky. Oh. And so um, the tile on the back wall is... Um, it's also inspired by Pendleton plaid. We're having custom red plaid tile made for the oh for my the main god! Wall. It's, mm. it's really cool. Are you going to make the people who work there wear plaid jackets? Uh, we're, we do have red and black uniforms, not plaid. Oh, but, okay. Um, I, I did order a few plaid things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just might be Stacy and I wearing them <laughs> at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. When is that opening? So that'll be opening uh, probably in March. Uh, March it's after okay. the Port of Seattle when the Central Terminal reopens. Okay. It's closed. Part of it's kind of blocked off and closed right now. Yeah. Because all those bases are getting redone. Yeah. That was a big, huge change at the airport. And I I felt a little bit bad for Ivers. But on the other hand, I love that they're going so local. Not that Ivers isn't local, but, you know, they're doing a lot of local things. They really people. want to promote... Um, Local businesses, yeah. small business, and women and minority businesses. Oh, that's so great. So, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And now, Delish is out in which concourse? So, uh, just Delicious moved now yeah. to the end of C concourse, C. and it's all grab and go. Yeah, but it is so crazy busy. I know. It's almost as busy as Central Terminal was. It's my go-to. That's Thank where you. I go when I'm at the airport. Yeah. Thank you. What do you eat? Uh, the like a you got like a chicken salad sandwich there, right? Yeah, we do our own homemade um, tarragon chicken salad. Yeah, and we, exactly. You know, the nice thing too is that we roast our own chicken breasts, and so a lot of these things are oh, wow. are you know not fresh roasted at, at a lot of yeah. airport places. You yeah. know, over the years, but that's all changing now. People yeah. are really going more fresh and delicious. Yeah. Well, you I was trying to the, eat a little healthier, so that's why it's kind of my go-to. And we yeah. also have it like in in a cup too, topped with arugula and oh, some yeah. uh, grape tomatoes for people. Oh, that, you don't want um, the bread. I don't have to have it with the carbs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's good. I don't think you do the breakfast sandwich anymore, right? That was no. just at the main. Yeah, because I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily we'll have some pretty pretty killer breakfast sandwiches yeah. too. So. <laughs> uh, you're going to be there in February, so you won't be going to Lucky Louie's then. But no, after that, um, and then Relish is out in the B. Yes, concourse, that's on right? B Concourse, mm-hmm. and that is uh, burgers and great cocktails. 
beer. I was, I had this, uh, obviously incorrect desire that maybe you would be doing a breakfast thing out there. So I walked all the way out to the bee concourse last time. We have have breakfast there. Oh, do you? It was closed that day. Yeah. Um, I think it opens at like eight. Oh, I was earlier than that. I think. Yeah. That terminal, you know, the hours at the airport really are dictated by the employments. Yeah. And so if, you know, there's no one on that concourse and you're not, you don't have to open super early. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, doing business at the airport is about different. Yeah, it's about 20 times harder than doing it actually on the street. And I would think you'd have to be on top of it all the time in terms of staffing and stuff, because if you don't need to staff on Tuesday at 7 Really, it's about finding staff out there. It's it's very difficult. If you think about it, you know, going to work, you've got to get badged, you've got to go through security. But it's also such a great and exciting place to work as well. Yeah, with all the changes, I think. I talked to somebody who started working there when Cafe Flora did their florette mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. And they were, like, thrilled because they live in the South End. Uh-huh. So, of course, it was easier for them. And right. they've been going to work at Cafe Flora. Yeah. So it was a way better commute. And uh, That's a great concept, too. Yeah. How exciting to have a vegetarian restaurant at an airport. Yeah. I mean, that's really, exactly. really exciting. And every time I've walked by, they seem to be pretty busy. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good thing. They do great things. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I also wanted to know if there was other stuff coming up from you and Stacy, or is it is your your total focus right now is Lucky Louie? So all airports, a lot of people don't know this. They think that you can just go into an airport and like, oh, I'd like to put this in here. Uh-huh. All those things are RFPs, yeah. and they're actually government RFPs because they're all dictated by the by the ports. Yeah, and so you, so it's a very long process. It's a very uh, it's very complicated. Yeah. So you have to submit a very formal RFP. So, you know, we're not looking to go into A markets, you know, LAX, mm-hmm. JFK. We're looking at more uh, B and C markets because okay. I think there's more opportunities there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so we hope to be bidding on some other things. And I, I think the RFP for North Terminal at SeaTac is coming up. Oh, okay. Sometime. Oh, isn't that interesting? You year. have to do an RFP for every concourse. Every concept. Every single thing that you bid. Wow. Yeah. And, you're, you know, you, you're you not always going to win. Whoever, you know, there's a whole panel they choose, and yeah. they choose what they think is the right concept and, you yeah. know, what the right – you, you uh, basically in your RFP bid on everything. Wow. So you say how much money you're going to spend on building out the space. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Oh, my god. <laughs> and, yes, everything has to be <laughs> welded stainless steel. <laughs> All the uh, pipes. There's no PVC at the airport. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. It's yeah. about four times as much uh, as expensive as building on the street, at wow. least. But yeah. then again, the it's a a crowd that is yours, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're there, those people got to go someplace. So yeah. It's, it's very expensive to operate there. So a lot of people yeah. think that the prices are really high, but um, SeaTac is actually street priced. So it's, really? it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I hope that they go to just regular airport pricing. Yeah. You know, the other thing people probably don't think about either is because of the security issues. If you're if you're a company that if I'm a company that brings you some kind of product, I have to be cleared. Right. I can't come on you know the the grounds of the airport to deliver my stuff to you and until I'm cleared or my company is cleared. Right. Everybody's badged. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, that adds another layer of complexity to Many everything. Layers. Yeah. Layer upon layer. <laughs> Like an onion, really? <laughs> I know people are like, "Why are you doing this?" I'm like, uh. <laughs> "Let me think about it. how did you I love it? How did you start it? Why did you originally well, think about the airport? You know, that it, was like 2005. Yeah, you went in. Yeah, it was uh, HMS Host came to us oh, when the airport okay. 
did, I think it was 12 years ago now, they redid the whole central terminal there. Yeah. And so companies were looking to partner with local chefs and local companies. And so, you know, I went in with Dish Delish with HMS Host. Uh, Anthony's then also, yeah. you know, was in the central terminal there. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of uh, rebuilding and refreshing. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting to see how things have changed. In some airports, I, you know, I travel a lot. And yeah. some some places I go, I'm like, why is there nothing here? Yeah. You know? It feels <laughs> odd now. Yeah. If there's not a wine bar at the airport, we're like, where are we? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... Think that you'll take a concept like Relish or Lucky Louie's out to the street? You know, I'm kind of uh, gearing Lucky Louie to. I, I'd like to actually franchise it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a great concept. You know, it's all Alaska uh, fish, oh. which is wild and sustainable. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we're we are using Pollock Wild Alaska Pollock, and the quality of Pollock we're doing a a special center cut. So it's really uh-huh. thick. It's very sweet. I think the quality and flavor of it is is e- even better than um, cod these yeah. days. Yeah. I've had Pollock recently, and I was like, wow, why is this less expensive? You know, because it was really good. It's delicious. And it yeah. is like one of the... Uh, one of the last wild species that there's a lot of it. There's yeah. a lot of Pollock. So, Do we know how, how it um, grows and reproduces? Because that was the thing that happened. Was it tilapia or orange ruffy? It was orange ruffy that there was just so much of it and everybody went through it. And then afterwards we found out it takes them like a decade to reproduce. <laughs> so they were, it was almost done. I, I think they reproduce pretty quickly, okay. I would think. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure about that, but, uh, you know, I... I'm, we work with uh, ASME, which is Alaska Seafood Marketing oh, yeah. Institute, a lot. And so, you know, know, they're very excited about people, you know, uh, starting to serve more Pollock. Yeah. And, um, you know, even, you know, t- white tablecloth restaurants. And, I mean, it's a really, really great and delicious fish. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, it's really yummy. And, and because we're getting a center cut, it's thicker. Oh, yeah. And you're doing, are you doing any sauces or is it pretty much, so because it, it's quick, it's just like. Um, so it. we have our rock the boat tartar sauce, which oh, yeah. is so del- I, I love tartar sauce. I do too. I admit it. So we have a great tartar sauce. We also have a sriracha cocktail oh, okay. sauce as well. Okay. So mm. yeah, and then we're gonna have steamed jasmine rice. I mean, we're not putting it on the menu or you know saying that you know putting it out there. But yeah. if people want to have rice instead of fries, oh, okay, with their fish, they you know, they totally that. can. Yeah, oh, and then okay. we'll have that. That's what our um, our salmon. Our wild Alaska salmon is going to be served on, oh, okay. as well as jasmine rice, and then it has this really delicious um, honey teriyaki on it. <gasps> then it has um, it has uh, a little Korean influence in there. It's really yeah. delicious. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. That sounds different too. Yeah. It's great to have something different with the at the airport. Sesame marinated uh, cucumber salad is going to come with that. So. Oh man! Yeah, it's really very tasty. Yeah, so, and actually and, and a lot of options. Too. Yeah, and we're also going to have. Gluten-free fish available. Oh, it's okay. pub style. Okay. Yeah. So you've got a different breading for that. Yeah, that's... Um, it's called Pollock Almondine. <laughs> <laughs> They're rolled in almond flour. And then our breakfast sandwiches, you can also get those on a gluten-free bun. Just like oh, over okay. at Relish Burger Lounge, we also have gluten-free burgers, and we oh, okay. have the Impossible Burger that's vegetarian as well. Oh, that's great. Got to have lots of options for people. You know, there's just so many people with food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Now, is that... Has that always been like that, do you think? Or is this something about 
our culture or the way we've been eating or the what's in our air, what we breathe. It's I think more it's something. People are, I, I, you know, I've never. I think that more and more people have sensitivities, yeah. but I think people are more aware of their sensitivities yeah. now. And there's more of us. And there's options for people yeah. as well. I think some so. people are confused. They wake up in the morning, they can't remember if they're vegan, vegetarian, <laughs> gluten-free. They don't. They, they can't keep track of it all. And there's the bacatarians too. The vegetarians oh. that just eat bacon. Yes. <laughs> I have to say my sister-in-law went vegetarian, and it was for allergy reasons. Right. She wasn't doing too much. But all of a sudden, we were out one day, and she had a pepperoni pizza. And I was like, I'm sorry. And she goes, well, I'll eat pepperoni and bacon. I was like, okay. I see. <laughs> a serious vegetarian. <laughs> well, um, oh, she listens to this show, you know. Yeah. You're in I'm trouble I'm sure now. she does. She's a flexitarian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you are also now doing cocktails for the newly launched Norwegian Cruise Line ship, Bliss. Yes, so I've been working with Norwegian Cruise Lines for a couple of years now. We did their uh, Cocktails on Tap program. Oh, fun. Yeah, throughout all the ships, and then also did some amazing signature cocktails on tap for the Bliss, <laughs> which launched here uh, last year oh, out, of, out of Seattle, which is so exciting. That ship yeah. is amazing. It's huge, isn't it? It is uh, you know, I want to go on for like a personal cruise, and mm-hmm. I don't care where people are like where you want to go. I'm like, I don't care because I'm, I'm never getting off. Getting off. <laughs> <laughs> and then the joy is going to be here this spring. Oh, so I think the bliss is on Saturday, and then the joy is on Sunday. I could have it uh, yeah. reverse, but it'll be in port. Uh, wow! And that's basically the same size ship, and we're doing cocktails on there as well too. They yeah. are so fun to work with. I love oh. the crew there, and yeah, the food and beverage team are they're amazing and. What a Everybody's, what a great gig! <laughs> yeah, no kidding, you've had some really fun jobs. I love it. Uh, you know, oh, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about too was, and this is like a big, the future of restaurants. We've been talking to some other people over you know the months, and one of the things that comes out a lot is that, and you, like you say, it's hard to find people to work at the airport, and people who are coming into the restaurant industry are often looking for a paycheck. They want a job, whereas people like you and other chefs. They stash through Europe. They take a cookbook home at night after work to read it and see if they can come up with new ideas. And that passion, in a lot of cases, I mean, I know there's still people out there who are passionate, but in the younger generation, not so much. And a couple people have intimated that they think restaurants will go more the way of hiring someone like you Mm -hmm. to create the thing and just have people come in and execute it. Do you think that's going to happen well, or do you I, think it's think it's what, really more passionate than that? I think that? what I do is a, is a big part of the business that a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, probably everybody listening has eaten or drank something that I have created mm-hmm. or worked on, whether it be a smaller company, a larger company. I mean, we do, you know, food and beverage development globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work with so many different companies. We work with the Fairmont Hotels, Sofitel, um, you know, uh, we work with a company, National Amusements, out of the East Coast. That's a theater company, Norwegian Cruise Lines, and but that you know, there's also smaller companies that hire us as well. I and but to get back to your question on that, I think that uh, technology has influenced this a lot. Oh, okay. You know, um, I think tech jobs pay a lot. They can afford to pay a lot, as we know. Restaurants are in a very very tight margin, yep. and it's harder and harder to do business. Uh, to operate yeah. a restaurant these yeah. days, no matter what, no matter what kind, and I think that uh, here, especially on the West Coast, we, mm-hmm. we're very tech driven, and so I think a lot of people just go into tech, yeah. or they expect to make a ton of money when mm-hmm. they, you know, when they first get their uh, jobs, 
And I, but I think in like the East coast and, you know, Midwest, I don't think, um, I think, I think there's still people, you know, actively looking to get into the business, Mm -hmm. but I think that there, I think things are changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope that people still are passionate, but there's so much more now before there was no podcast. There was no YouTube. I, I, there was no books on a lot of things. And so yeah. where did you find the information? You had to go in stage. You had to go yeah, and, that's true. and volunteer. And But, you know, I still have some, you know, great interns every year that come and work mm-hmm. with me that are really interested. But they're not interested in just the food. They're interested yeah. in the social media part of it, the photography part of what we do, the development. Oh, okay. Because what we do is pretty different. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's, it's uh, and not a lot of people do what we do either. So yeah. it, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a draw. Yeah, it's a draw, and it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. And just being down at the food studios is fascinating. It's fast-paced. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the 20-year-olds have to keep up with me. <laughs> the not-yet-60-year-old. <laughs> well, Kathy, thank you so much for oh, being Oh, wait a second. We're not done yet. Oh, I thought you were. So uh, we just went through the holidays, and uh, what have you been uh, making at home lately? What have I been making? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I, I, worked, I worked all through the holidays, um, but I did. Uh, I've eaten a couple really fabulous meals. Oh. Uh, and if anybody's ever in San Diego, go to Cowboy Star, which is an amazing. Um, it is a fi- it's fine dining. Uh-huh. It's amazing uh, hmm. restaurant there. Wow. Uh, I, I oh, well, I did make a great because um, I'm working with Angostura oh, yeah. uh, bitters. We made this. It's not your mama's cheese ball. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and I took that to a couple of parties. It was so delicious. Oh, so, nice. yeah, it was like white cheddar and all these different cheeses and cognac and Angostura bitters and all these magic ingredients just to make this great cheese ball rolled in oh, um, toasted mm. almonds. And everybody everybody gobbled it up. Yum. <laughs> it was pretty fun. That sounds great. A little retro, a little fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. This is so interesting. I hope Thank you'll you come back again. Out. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah. uh, anybody that wants to check out some of uh, what we're doing, go to KathyCasey.com. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a little break, and who knows what's going to happen when we get back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by the Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, the Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. Hello, my name is Carrie. I live in Magnolia, and my favorite restaurant is Tavolata. Hi, this is Rusty with Rusty's Famous Cheesecake, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with, what's your name? <laughs> oh, yeah, Connie Adams, the senior Ouch. editor. Ouch. And we have a special guest in the studio right now. And we did, uh, we had him on the show about a year and a half ago. 
Always a great time. We have Joel Gameron here from Sur La Table. Was it that long ago? I can't believe it. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> no oh, he's way. He's making it up to make us talk. I know. I know. I'm so, it's, <laughs> we are never waiting that long no, again. We want, him on, we want him on every four months or so. I'm in. Oh, yeah. good. Excellent. Well, you know, Joel, I mean, we're specifically having you on today to talk about your new cooking scrappy cookbook. Yeah. But I have a different question to go, naturally, that's unrelated. Bring right it, Connie. Oh, I think this is going to be a two-part interview now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been living in New York. Yeah. You're actually from Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So how is it to be back? Uh, it feels amazing. Does the it? city, yeah, the city, you know, it's funny cuz I had so many friends here who said the city is changing yeah. and not for the better. Yeah. And so that was kind of freaking me out as I was moving back, but then I got back here and I realized a the food scene is on fire. Yeah. There's so much amazing talent, incredible ideas, uh, products, markets, everything. Yeah. So it, it way different than when I left. Um, and I like uh, all the changes. I mean, I, I personally, I think it's really great for Seattle. I mean, not everything is great, but yeah. for the most part, it's been really nice kind of reuniting with my hometown. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With, with your it. new hometown. With my new hometown. <laughs> your old new hometown. <laughs> my old new hometown, Well, yes. I'm thinking, too, if you live in New York, Seattle can't seem so terrible because it's right. still not as big. Oh, totally. You know, so you've got a different feel to it because there's just not that many people in that much space. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I missed pho so much. You have no oh, idea. And yeah. teriyaki. Yeah. Those things are things, you know, you move away from Seattle and you realize that, you know, every teriyaki spot is not on the corner. You have to go yeah. find that. And I grew up on it being from Seattle. I was yeah. in New York? Yeah, no, they have no teriyaki places in wow. New York and no good pho either. That's interesting. If any New Yorkers are hearing this, you guys have yeah. better pizza and sandwiches than we'll ever have. But (laughs) we beat you on the pho and, uh, you know, the Bon Mi world. And for the entrepreneurs out there, if you want to do pho, go to New York. Yes, yes, exactly. If you want to do Mexican food, go to Australia. Exactly. You know? (laughs) Is there no good Mexican in Australia? My brother lives there, and he says now... There's a couple places, but it's like you're talking about New York with pho. you got to work at it, and you got to find it. And sometimes... They might have some decent guacamole, but their margaritas suck. Yeah. So, you know, it's like they don't have the full. You know what's so funny is so I I went to, I studied in Italy for culinary school. And when I was there, like three weeks in, I was um, craving sushi. Oh. And I'm just like, I need sushi, you know? And I realized it's kind of an American problem to crave Mexican sushi, (laughs) you know, teriyaki, all in the same week, you know? Because there, they're good with a bowl of pasta every night, you know? But I I couldn't handle it. This is one of those first world problems. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it's not that I'm not eating. It's that I can't have sushi. (laughs) I need to mix it up, you know? Absolutely. Hey, speaking of mixing it up, I should have said this first off so everybody knows, but you are the national chef for Sur La Table. Yeah. And you're the host of the A and E series Scraps, yes, which is in its second season yeah, now. Yeah, and then and then I assume that the book came out of Scraps, and the fact that the show has you going around the U.S. talking to chefs and restaurateurs to Absolutely. see what's going on. So yeah. my first question was really, oh, actually, my first question isn't a question. Okay, I'm just so sorry for you that you have no friends. <laughs> Katie, <laughs> Katie Couric wrote the forward to his book. Yes, she's yes. she's no one. She's a woman who has not realized her potential. Yes. <laughs> wow. 
now. Yeah, no, she's so you know, uh, it's all been awesome. Um, she's also an executive producer on the show, oh, okay. which we're really lucky to have. But yeah. Katie, um, you know, I met her when I was 25 and I went on the Katie Couric show really? and I was teaching cooking kind of uh tips and tricks. Uh-huh. And after my little demo, we'd never met before, she asked me, What TV show are you on? and I go, I'm on no TV show, Katie. <laughs> I, I, I'm school of you know, and she said, You need your own show, and so she, since then, I thought it was kind of just fluff and something that someone of her caliber might say to someone to make yeah. someone feel good. But she backed me up. She's been wow. uh, in meetings with me. And if it wasn't for her, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today. So That's amazing. It's been great. Yeah. it's been. I've been really yeah. fortunate. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. 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 Wow. So lucky. And she's all about the food waste movement, as is Sir Latab. So yeah. it just feels like a really great marriage right now. Yeah. So if I open up her freezer, it's going to be full of eggshells and <laughs> orange peels. Honestly, and- yes. You know, I was I was just at her house a couple months ago, and she we launched this thing called Hashtag Scrap My Fridge. <laughs> and what it is is you take a picture of your fridge, oh. post it on Instagram with the hashtag Scrap My Fridge, and within 24 hours – I will respond personally and tell you what to make. So Katie was the first <laughs> oh one to do it. Oh, my God. That's great. Yeah. What yeah. a fun thing. Totally fun. Because you guys know. I mean, we're all foodies and we all love yeah. to cook. You come home and sometimes you open the fridge and you're like, what the heck am I going to make? And yeah. sometimes those are the best meals. Yeah. You know? I have to say I'm still feeling totally guilt-ridden. I bought some organic carrots with the tops on them the other day. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to be home. And just cut them off and throw them No, out. Connie. And I was like, Joel's going to be yes. so upset with me. Yes, so upset yes. With me. I am upset with you. But that's good. You know, that feeling that you had is why the show and I think the book is, is so successful right now is that when people have those little moments in the kitchen where they're like, oh, my God, I have all these potato peels. Yeah. Or I have the chicken bones left over from this roast chicken I picked up. People have this moment of guilt, and I want. I'm Jewish. I'm bringing that Jewish guilt <laughs> hardcore. You should feel that guilt, and even if you can throw it in the freezer or figure out something to do with it, it, it makes a difference. But yeah. do you think, like when I'm making chicken stock, um, you think I'm better off doing it with chicken that's already been roasted rather than using uh, uncooked bones? Uh, it doesn't matter, but it also depends on what you're going for. So if you're di- looking for a deep, rich, dark stock, you want to roast those bones. Really? Yep, and they'll give you a much deeper flavor. Oh, I thought you'd lose half the flavor during the roasting no of the No way, chicken. baby. Makes them oh. sweet, makes them caramelized, brings out that umami. But but at the same time, you know, my mom just boiled the bones raw or, yeah. or you know, not roasted at all. And it gives you that nice, light stock. Yeah, that's that, what I do. Yeah, and that's great, too. Yeah. just depends what you're looking for. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you travel around and you're talking to chefs and restaurateurs, what have you found over the last couple seasons you've been doing this? Yeah. So what are I'm, they saying? So the first thing I'm saying is chefs look at what I'm doing and they laugh because as a chef, when you go to culinary school or you work in a restaurant, they all know – the first thing you're taught, don't throw anything away. Because in oh. restaurants, there's no profit margin. Yeah. You can't throw away chicken bones in a, in a restaurant and not utilize it. Yeah. So we were all taught this. And so they all think it's obvious. Uh-huh. But home cooks were never taught this. Maybe our grandma's grandma was taught it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Or did it out of necessity. Totally. But um, So that's kind of the difference. So when I talk to these chefs – it's not like I'm turning on any light bulbs for them. I think I'm just uh, rewrapping something that we already knew. And mm-hmm. Jacques Pepin was on uh, one of the episodes in season two, which was amazing. Oh, nice! And you know, he said, "What Joel's Joel's cooking is is nothing um, out of the ordinary. It's just the correct way of cooking." Wow! You know, and so that and that's his that's point. high praise. 
Totally. I, but that's that's his point. It's like yeah, it's not be. like it's shocking. It's just this is the right way to cook. Yeah. And no one's really been talking about it. So and it's surprising. Yeah. Well, then, do you think though? Do you think that you've had any revelations of your own that maybe other people mm. hadn't ever thought about in terms of what to scrap and what to, and how to cook with it later? Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, we might have talked about this a while ago when I when I was last on, but mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of these scraps, as I did the research, I'm like, I threw that away all the time, like peach pits. Yeah. I mean, I, like, that shocked me, you know? Or even just, like, a brown, mushy avocado. Yeah. I thought, that thing is toast. But I learned it has its own thing. I mean, that avocado in a brownie makes the most moist brownie oh. you've ever had in your life. And <laughs> No, no, don't give me that, Tom. <laughs> don't give me that. He's, he looks scared. He looks yeah. scared. But, I mean, that, so I think my big revelation is these are ingredients we all have around us, right? Yeah. These are things that we you just said. You had carrot tops in your kitchen. Yeah. They're things we already have, you know? And carrot tops are the new parsley. You probably mm-hmm. haven't had them on their own. Or- I saw them in yeah. Vegas once. <laughs> it was carrot it- Oh, no, that was carrot tops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just learned a little trick the other day, and, and it was uh, right after I threw away about a half a bunch of grapes um, that you can actually take grapes and freeze them. Mm. And then when you get ready to make your cocktails, you can put them into the cocktails and keep your cocktail cold without having it water it down. And then, of course, you could always eat those grapes once they thaw down. I love that. Yeah, I, like I love that. that. That's a good little tip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's filled with it. He. It, By the yeah. way, I'm drinking soda right now that Tom made out of balsamic vinegar. Speaking of grapes, yeah, black cherry balsamic vinegar, one shot in a twenty ounce glass with a little bit of ice. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you need yeah. to bottle this and funnel it down <laughs> people's throats. <laughs> you know, the other thing he loves to use the black cherry balsamic on is to marinate. Grass-fed steaks. Ooh. I think we might have talked about this one with you last time in shallots and a couple other things. Uh, rosemary, rosemary, yeah. and then put Garlic. a sprig of rosemary on the grill with the steak, so it also gets that kind of smell. Nice, and it probably gets kind of sticky and delicious. Yeah. And, and it's caramely. you know he marinates it for twenty-four hours. Yeah, and I just did it with black currant balsamic. Oh, because nice. I thought that would be good too. Yeah, people yeah. don't realize that just marinating in balsamic not only gives the flavor, but it breaks down the meat. And right, so it yeah. makes it way more juicy. And I do a twenty-four hour marinate when I do it. You know, I don't know about this. When I was growing up, my mom would marinate roasts, mm. but it was oil. It was like. Mm. Wesson or something with salt and pepper in it. And, you know, I always thought it was pretty moist. You know, they yeah. were, she was a good cook. It was very good. But now I look at that and think, why are we, Why would we eat all that oil? And, I know. And it's the balsamic that imparts so much flavor and breaks it down, too. So, totally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's just a different yeah. time. Yeah. But you probably crave that, don't you, Connie? I don't. What? Because, <laughs> because he cooks. And there he does you go. All this you have the good cooking. Yeah. yeah. So he can so he can funny. do all his research and then I. But you don't crave any of your parents like oh, roast yeah. food from back in the day. Oh yeah, my no. mom was because <laughs> I learned how to eat better and so they say just don't I I, I don't want to go back and eat a fruitcake or something you know. <laughs> It's still nostalgic. You gotta give it My that. My mother used to make a horrible uh, hash kind of thing, and it was—I think it was out of a can. Oh, okay, that's brutal. Right. Yeah, it's it, that's what happened with beets. Everyone, you know, thinks beets taste out of a can. I'm like, have you ever had a fresh beet? I know. It doesn't taste anything like and, that. And she used to boil all her vegetables, and to she'd death. make this yeah. horrible Finn and Hattie fish thing that was just nasty. Yeah, that sounds pretty grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend whose mother died and had a ton of recipes like that. Yeah. And so 
to honor her, he had this big dinner for everybody, and he made white trailer trash food. And it was what? all like that. You know, it was like... Thanks, Mom. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's actually awesome. It I'm is sorry. awesome. And That's he, cool. you know, he was he stodged around Seattle, and he went to culinary school and stuff. So it's not what he does for a living, but right. he is a, a good cook who knows the right things to do. But it was enough to honor his mom and That's how he grew cool. up. That's cool. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I love. That. I do like dissecting recipes. Yeah, you know, taking. Well, like we sat in a restaurant in Napa one night, and we just. Took out the pen, started writing down everything we could taste in it, came back home, recreated it, we nailed it on the first one. I need to know what restaurant and what the dish was. Do you um, remember the name of it? It's in Napa, and it was not – oh, man. We'll tell you after the show. We'll, look <laughs> we'll have to look it up. Um, but. but the dish was a shrimp with, in, a, in, a cream, in a red cream sauce mm. with it was uh, a over Cajun. a pasta. Yeah, it was like oh. a Cajun shrimp. Cajun shrimp penne. Oh, interesting. It yeah. wasn't that Bounty Hunter, was it? No, it was okay. a little neighborhood thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it was pretty close to the freeway. It's on a side street just off the freeway mm-hmm. that goes by. So they had a little outdoor thing, but it was kind of loud when you were uh, sitting outside. But you but, came you know, home and you recreated it. And yeah. we recreated it, and we liked it so much that we do uh, an event in the summer for the motorcycle side of my business. We gave, we gave the recipe to the caterer who... So she told me, she says, I, the girl who works with me can can get, she can figure out big portions. Okay. So give me the recipe. We'll make it. We'll see what we like about it. You know, we'll see what we have to do. And they served it for 200 people at, at our motorcycle event that yeah. next summer. And did it come out on, like? Yeah, they got it right. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And it was tricky because you had to get the, you had to get the cream up to the point where it just barely broke. Right. And they had to bring it down. So you try to do that for 200 people. You I know? know. It's not easy to cook Mm-mm. for a lot of people. No. Yeah. You learn that the first thing you learn in restaurants and professional cooking is that cooking for mass people versus cooking for your family yeah. is very different. And also, in restaurants, you don't even know how many people will be there. So you're exactly. guessing about amounts and how much you should have on hand. Yeah, and- that's why we have the word 86. <laughs> <laughs> well, you touched on something that I was going to ask you about. How do you decide when something's gone? Or I can use it in another way. Oh, okay. Like you so, mentioned the avocado and brownies. Got that it. Was got of- it. So, so I, I get that question a lot, and I have a chapter in my book that's called "It's Scrappy, Not Crappy." <laughs> and I think that's that's the question: is is when you open the fridge and you see something, and you just don't know is this safe to eat? Is this weird? Yeah. And for me, it is always best to err on the side of caution with yeah. this stuff. So if if it has little hairs growing off of it, <laughs> and if it smells off. Yeah, but we as humans have the eyes, we have the nose, we have everything. We are equipped to smell that type of stuff and to taste and to know those types of things. And so use your best judgment. But again, if you're too worried about it, don't even test it. Yeah, Yeah. just get rid of it. Yeah, but try something new. Like banana peels blew my my mind away. I have a banana peel cake that is insane and a banana peel caramel. That is insane. And when you cook banana peels, it tastes like plum. But I didn't even know banana peels were edible. Do you take it, cook it down and take it out? You can take it out or you can puree it. And in India, they use it for all different types of desserts. Hmm. Yeah. Banana peels rock, people. Okay? Wow. Yes. So, but you got to clean them up real good, don't you? Sure, but just like any other vegetable, yeah. Yeah. Or or fruit, yeah. Huh. Yeah. See? I just just chop them up and put them in taquitos. Yum. Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) I'll eat your shrimp penne, but not your banana peel taquitos. (laughs) (laughs) what would you say how much waste is there in home kitchens now yeah so we're throwing away about fifteen hundred dollars per person 
per year. Oh, wow. So it's a lot. I mean, it's yeah. an absurd amount. And when you look at the waste as a whole, most of it's coming from homes. You would think most of it's coming from hospitals or cooking yeah. schools or restaurants. It's not. It's coming from just homes. Mm. And wow. again, it comes back to chefs, professionals know how to use that yeah. stuff, and home cooks don't. So that's really what the point of the show and yeah. the book is. It's just how do we get people jazzed about this stuff? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I had like for you guys, I mean, I, and I, I like to pose this question a lot. Like, what will get you to cook a banana peel? Like, is it just going to, you know what I mean? What, I'd give it a try. I, yeah? He's he's very um, adventurous. And if, if he gets an idea, then he'll he'll cook it. If he doesn't like it, he'll try it again. And mm. he'll try it again until mm. it works out. So, yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. give it a try. You would? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, too. All right. Report back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a recipe for that in your book? Yeah. Okay. Did I get you guys a book yet? No. No. Uh-uh. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mail you guys one this week. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. We'll Good. take it. Good. Um, how much crossover is there? You've got a newsletter that goes out, and mm-hmm. it also has recipes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is it a, a total crossover with the book, or is no, it no, zero percent, zero percent? Yeah, and the, and the newsletter is really nothing. We're not selling anything. It's uh-huh. just day or weekly inspiration, right? Oh, sometimes okay. it's a recipe, sometimes it's a tip and a trick, or a way to kind of get the most out of your kitchen. But mm-hmm. um, every single time you read it, my goal is that it helps you kind of waste less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to get on that list. Yeah, Tom, where are you at, baby? Yeah. It's called joelgameron.com. Yes. Oh, okay. And it's an email that goes out once yeah, a week? Yeah. Right there. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I better wake up. <laughs> Have some more balsamic soda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? Uh, how do we get to the point where we're wasting so much? Because... In in history, it's like yeah. I think Europe Europe has always been kind of nose to tail. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking Japanese. My God, you go in and have uh, shrimp sushi or something. You got yeah. the head on it, you know, and it's fried, and you eat that. Yeah. So China was always use everything. How did we? Is it just an American thing, or is it everybody now that we got lazy? Everything got canned and frozen, and we don't know what a real corn stalk looks like. That's or? a phenomenal question, Connie. So first, this is a worldwide problem. We are not the only ones. We are the worst. <laughs> we do throw away the most here in America. But um, I'll tell you one place that actually solved the problem. They have oh. no food waste, and it's Korea. Oh. And what they did is is they taxed people. They put a electric garbage can outside of people's homes. And the more food waste you put in this can the more you get taxed. And so it's an incentive to use it instead of throw it away. So uh, they emptied their landfills. I mean, it's completely like they solved the problem. So the answer is there is a way to solve it. It looks like in that case it was money that was the incentive for that one. Um, But I also think that, you know, you think about celery root. You know, celery has been something in every recipe for years, hundreds of years, celery, right? Mm -hmm. And then at one point someone said, you know what would be kind of cool? You know this bulb bulb in the ground that looking dirty let's eat it you know and at some point a chef put it on the menu and then at some point emerald lagasse put it on food network and then at some point someone said i want this on my thanksgiving menu and so celery root is an example of of um a type of ingredient that could become trendy and cool and interesting And I, you know, I think Carrot Tops is having a, a, a field day with that right now. Even though Connie is throwing it away, but <laughs> I, I can think, still like, hear them crying. Yeah, but you, but you would, like go Google Carrot Top recipes. Bon Appetit will have an article. You know, Epicurious will have yeah. an article. Like they are an in ingredient right now. Yeah. And so, um, 
It's about making these things cool. That's the way to solve it. Yeah. And Sunchokes was kind of like that, yeah, too. Yeah, Sunchokes. You hear a lot about now. I'm trying to think about other one. Like, even like celery leaves. I know we're back on oh, celery, yeah. but people used to throw those away. They think that's the yeah. bad part. Oh, what are you doing with most of that? You're doing like uh, soups or, or stocks or Celery something? leaves? Celery leaves are incredible in salads. Mm. Okay. And insane. It's, it tastes so different than the celery itself. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So you don't really chop it up or you just... No, you treat it like chervil or like something like, like a, you know, you just kind of leave it kind of whole, but kind of break it up and just fold it uh-huh. into salads. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of chefs are putting it on like ceviche and stuff right now. Oh, yeah. 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 You'll see it around the scene. I'm personally well, making a jello with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm personally passing on that dish as well. That's It's one of his mom's recipe. I would suggest you've yeah. gone down the right path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> celery, celery jello. It's lime jello, right? Got to be lime jello. <laughs> No, mine's wine jello. <laughs> Let's see. Um, anything else we need to talk about the book? Oh, I know another question I yeah, had. Yeah. Not a question. Something I thought was interesting is that it's not just about food either. And we talked about this totally unrelated when yeah. we were on last time about yeah. only having tools in the kitchen that you can use multiple ways. Yeah. And one of the things I saw when I was looking at your website was using um, the – the bottom yeah. of a skillet yeah. as a pizza pan. I know, right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. You've never done that? I uh, know because I have the pizza dish with the holes oh, in the yeah. bottom. Uh, okay. So I, I well, if you want like a, a pizza stone and don't yeah. want to go buy the pizza stone, um, you can absolutely take like a big cast iron skillet and turn it upside down. But there's tons of different applications in the kitchen that are, you know, they're everyday items that lie around and that we don't realize they have multiple purposes. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there's tons of that. And um, like, for example, I use tinfoil to make racks, like to make for roasts instead of buying a rack. Oh, yeah. Easy. Just you roll know, them you up? roll them up like a snake and then just kind of like elevate things off the bottom. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was not about the book, but your role with Sir Latab and how I know they're into it, the yeah. waste reducing tips. Yeah. How do those tips find their way into Kirkland cooking classes or is that what you're part of what you're doing? Yeah. What's your exact role as national yeah, chef? Yeah. So as a national chef, I, I really oversee um, the content, everything that we teach in our cooking classes. Okay. I think a lot of people, you guys are from Seattle, but Sir Latab of the 135 stores across the country, mm. they don't realize that we have a cooking school. And so, and out of these 135 stores, we have 82, which have a little school attached to it. And I'm in charge of kind of making sure that the, you know, the recipes that are in those schools are relevant and awesome and taste great. Mm -hmm. But yes, this year we're trying to make them more uh, waste-free and and less wasteful overall. And so we're making our own stock in-house now. We're trying to use whole vegetables and recipes. You know, uh, we're taking advantage of all the amazing tools we have, whether it's Instant Pot or, you know, anything else. We're cooking beans from scratch. So we're doing everything we can. We are not perfect, not even close. and We have a long way to go. But we're getting there. We're doing this. Yeah. You know what you should do? You should have a scrappy class and make everybody who signs up bring scraps from the refrigerator would you eat scraps from another person's refrigerator, Connie? Oh, perhaps not. <laughs> perhaps not. But we, we did. We had six scrappy classes oh, okay. during the TV show run this past fall, and they were great. And mm. I did a book tour at Sir Latab. So we had a, a, a lot of fun with it. Our customers love it, and it's something that we definitely stand behind. Oh, so the TV so show is uh, what network is that on? A&E Network. A&E. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's and up it's through a, your cable. Yeah. Have you guys caught an episode yet? 
we don't have cable right or now. Or cable cutters. All right, I'm going I'm to send you guys the episodes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's on iTunes. It's on anything. So you can easily find it. Oh, okay. Anywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But it's a blast of a show, and I've learned so much. And the chefs this year, okay, this, I, I don't know if I told you about this one chef, but his name is Eduardo Garcia. Have, you, have I told Mm-mm. you about this guy? No. This is going to blow your mind. Episode one, I went to Montana. Have you guys been to Bozeman, Montana? I think probably at some point we I We drove through Bozeman. Yeah. yeah. Montana is like such an underrated place. Yeah. It's like a scrap. It's like, you know, you, you, <laughs> oh, you, you, think, you know. And so I went, I went to this town and uh, met up with the chef Eduardo Garcia, who's my co-host for the episode. And he is a big hunter, lives off the, off the ground. And he was uh, out hunting one day and he saw a bear, a dead bear. And he went to go turn it over and he realized it was on an electric <gasps> fence or like a Yeah, tree. it had been yeah, electrocuted. So it, it electrocuted him. And he blacked out in the middle of nowhere by himself and he woke up and had to hike five miles back to a hospital, checked himself to the ER, amputated his arm. Oh my god. So and tons of his ribs. <gasps> and uh now he's a chef that has one arm and he uses he has a oh kind of a hook god. on the other arm. And so to me he represents more than I could ever, or you know, he represents what it means to be scrappy. Yeah, and you know, taking what don't you let got, that ruin. He's his food's gorgeous. He's more outdoorsy than anyone I've ever met. He's a total inspiration. So he's someone oh, definitely. Yeah, God. that episode will blow your mind. That's fabulous, mm-hmm. Joel. It's so nice to have you back on again. We're gonna wrap it up, but for those of you who love hearing Joel, he will be back. Yay! Yay! Thanks for having me, you guys. All right, we'll Thank be you. right back with uh, some more tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality the Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in their adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. Hi, this is Kirsten. I live in Mount Baker, and one of my favorite restaurants is Anchovies and Olives on Capitol Hill. I can eat crudo and oysters all day long. Hi, I'm Tabitha Crenshaw from The Saint in the Center in Walla Walla. You are listening to The Seattle Dining Show. We're back on the Seattle Dining Show, and I just want to thank both Kathy and Joel for coming in today and uh, sitting with us behind the microphones. Always a pleasure to uh, talk with both those people. Um, But anyways, we're at the last segment of the show, and we don't like to leave you without giving you a couple tips and tricks you can use at home or when you're out dining or wherever wherever you want. Uh, so, Connie, what's your what's your tip for the show this month? I'll tell you, this is a no-brainer after our special guest, but my tip is go out to kathycasey.com and joelgameron.com and sign up for newsletters, look at their recipes. These guys are, are wonderful um, sources of information That's about food tip. and beverage. Um, so go get that, and you're going to get more out of listening to them than a tip I'm going to give you this month. So that's my tip. Okay. 
Uh, well, my tip is, uh, you know, I've, I've been in a little bit of trouble with my doctor because she said that she doesn't like my bad cholesterol level. Yeah. And so I have been kind of on the Mediterranean diet here and there for the last three months, and I've been uh, learning how to work with that. Uh, I started off by making my own menu. And then I uh, I add to it every now and then. So I actually have like a full four-page menu of things that uh, you could get at my Mediterranean restaurant if it really existed. <laughs> but it doesn't. But uh, one of the things that I learned was uh, Essential Baking Company makes some uh, uh, pre-made pizza doughs. I guess they call them. I call it flatbread. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get them in the thin crust version up at Central Market when they're not out of it like you guys were the other Uh-oh, day. Big trouble. Um, and you can cut them up. And then what you do is you just uh, take those little slices and you cover them with hummus. And on, so what I do is I'll take three slices, I'll cover each one with hummus. And then uh, on one, I will layer up some sliced Kalamata olives. Mm. On the next one, I will put on some artichoke hearts. Mm. And on the third one, I put on some Mama Lil's peppers. Mm. Mm -mm. Now, let me tell you, this is really hard work. This takes about five (laughs) minutes to pull off. So when you're looking for a quick lunch at home, it's a super way to do it. And you get really great nutrition. I get the... uh, the uh, USDA organic hummus right up at the central market. Uh, I think the only thing that isn't organic in this for me is the Mama Lil's, but you get what you get. Yeah. Also, high flavor. And that for me uh, is what I don't, when I'm trying to be good about what I'm eating, I get depressed because I think it's not going to be flavorful. And uh, this is one of those things that's good for you and it really tastes great. And you know, Joel mentioned the. Um, the drink that I gave him, which was the balsamic vinegar, it was a black cherry balsamic. Mm-hmm. So I just pour it into a shot glass and stick it in a 20-ounce 20, uh, 20 glass, and then I pour in spring water. So I've got a really tasty soft drink that doesn't have any sugar, doesn't have any caffeine, and I could drink it all afternoon long, and I don't know, eventually maybe I'll get drunk on the vinegar. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. <laughs> All right. It is time to wrap up our February show. Thanks for joining us. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. All right. Well, we want you to dine out often. We want you to eat healthy at home and we want you to enjoy your beverages responsibly or enjoy the ones that I concoct. (laughs) We'll see you next month. Bye.